Hello, I'm Leslie Dudley Corbell, and I'm Diane Doucette Matthews. Welcome to The Mind of a Child. Today, we'll be talking about the Reggio Emilia inspired approach. It has five elements. The first being the arrangement of the space, natural lighting, materials, which are natural materials, provocations, and fifth, loose parts. And we're gonna talk about how you can use this in your home. We're so glad you've joined us for today's episode. So let's settle in, take a deep breath together, and see what we can talk about today. After Debbie Mays, our interview with her, we have so much to talk about. Why don't you kick us off with some just thoughts that you had? Well, I really enjoyed her talking about how she teaches children and guides them. And she talked about the Reggio Emilia approach in her classroom. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to learn more about Reggio Emilia Uh and also talk about ways that we can bring this into the home? Yeah. Because after all, the parent is the child's first teacher. Yes. I want to encourage parents out there that... You play an important role in your child's development. So let's let's mm-hmm. get inspired together and see what that could look like in the home. Yes, and learning happens every moment. And what I thought was so inspiring for us to share with our audience is that this, the Reggio Emilia, is so conducive to bring into the home because that's where it starts. So I know one of the first things she talked about was her schedule. Yeah. Her schedule, yeah. I love that she said that that was real important to talk about it prior to it happening with the children. And I know growing up raising my children, I had a couple that that was extremely important to them. They would get upset if they didn't know prior to what we were doing. So um, do you remember what she talked about? She posts a schedule and she actually uses pictures in her schedule. Mm. And and pictures are helpful for young children who aren't reading yet. Right. So the pictures give them some sense of what the day is going to look like. And I know we've talked about that on different episodes too, Mm -hmm. how to post them. So that was one of her points. What was another point that she brought out? Well, she did talk about Reggio Emilia, mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be fun to explore what that is. Did you know that Reggio Emilia is a city in one of the provinces of Italy? It's one of the capitals in one of the provinces. So when we think about Reggio Emilia here in the United States, mm. it's called Reggio Emilia Inspired mm-hmm. or Reggio Emilia Approach mm-hmm. because the only place you can actually have a Reggio Emilia classroom is in Reggio Emilia, Italy. So the only way that that it's really, truly Reggio Emilia is in In, Italy. Yes, because the emergent curriculum is what it's called. And Mm -hmm. so it's based upon the children in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So the only place you can have a Reggio Emilia classroom is in Reggio Emilia because it's made up the curriculum emerges from the children there. And so it's their culture, their families, their Mm -hmm. culture, their interests are all specific to that city. Yeah, and the environment. So let's talk about the environment. The environment is really the third teacher. Right. Because it's um, the adult and the other children. They they co-teach each other. It's together. And so the environment is the third teacher. They believe they place so much emphasis on the environment and are very intentional in the environment and really see it as the third teacher in the classroom. Yes. So... We well bring said. The, yeah. <laughs> kind of mix that up a little bit. So one idea you might think of 
the environment itself supports the children's learning. Mm -hmm. So when you think of your home and you have guests over, you have conversation areas, seats, Mm -hmm. seats here for two people to maybe have a quiet conversation. You have areas for group conversations. You have a table for eating. You walk into someone's house and when it's very warm and inviting, Mm -hmm. you know what the intent of that space is. Right. So you take that idea to your children's play spaces. How are you going to organize those? You're going to have areas that are have materials located with them in that area so the child knows this is where I go for that type of environment, this that type of experience, that type of play. Yes. So then you might have open areas. If you want gross motor activity to happen there, then you're going to have an open area for that mm-hmm. type of activity. So you, you really think about the environment and the way those spaces arranged should tell the child what to do there. Yes. Just by the way that it looks, you're going to have windows, natural lighting, ambient lighting. And little tables and little chairs. And let's talk about the the materials in the basket. Another thing about Reggio Emilia is it also has a little bit of a project element to it. Mm -hmm. So it follows a child's interest. So let's say one day a child noticed out the window, your child said there's a bird or they saw a nest. Mm -hmm. So then you might see that the child was interested in birds and nests and noticed them. So you might take that child's interest in that and start expanding on it. Right. So you might set a basket near the window with binoculars, with paper and pencil, um, little bird figures. A things. Little, yeah, a little nest. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of around that topic. You can weave all sorts of learning. You know, the, the focus is on the process of learning, mm-hmm. not the outcome of the learning. But you can put all of these things in there. You might want your child to experience counting. I mean, you can guess. How many birds have you seen today? You can, yeah. you can count birds. You can compare how many have you had throughout the week, which day did you see more birds on. And then you're getting into things like you're comparing quantities. So there's a lot of high learning that happens through these types of just everyday experiences, following the child's lead, talking yeah. about it, open conversations. How many birds landed on the tree? What do they eat? How they migrate? I mean, it, it is endless. And yes. this is called, and that's if they're interested in that. This is child-led education. Yes, you know. So, yeah, you follow what they're interested in. Yeah, this, this is, and you bring up a, a good point about that because they say that there's no any one time that the project's completed because you go with it as long as the children <laughs> yeah. are interested yeah. in it. Yeah, and then there's another basket that yeah. they can follow there. If you're doing it at home and you just have a few kids, which is wonderful, you know, there may not be as many baskets. But if you're in a classroom where she is, it's it's a it's a collaborative. So Reggio Emilia is collaborative. Mm-hmm. So you're working together on the same topic. So it would be really one, be one focus together on that thing. And what's really cool about it, especially if you have different children, different age children, you have a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, a six-year-old, you can still work on that same project or that same study just at different developmental levels. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too. Like one may be interested in birds migrating. One may be interested in, oh, what do birds eat? You know, I mean, it can go in different directions. And one may, may be interested in drawing birds, you know, the interest in birds. Yeah. But and it so can you, go, it can go would, all kinds of places. And yeah. the goal would be for all the children to experience all the elements of that, but at their developmental level. Yeah. So let's see. Let's talk about adding a provocation. What is a provocation? So a provocation is something that we bring into the environment that's a novel item. It's new, it's different, it's to spark an interest. So the bird out the window is is, an, is essentially a provocation that the child saw. It happened naturally. But you can bring in something that you just want to see if the child notices it. 
Mm. And then when they notice it and ask questions, sparks their curiosity and their wonder. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking this is kind of with the bird thing, but I thought even if somebody had like a parrot, but it's just something like that. And it, Yeah, and it's really best if, if it's something that's somewhat close to the child and to their home and their experience so they can go, you can go deeper with the topic when mm. it's something you experience on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm trying something. to think of something at home that we would, that we would have, that I would have done with the kids. Jonquils, you know, bringing a bulb oh, or flowering. Yeah. yeah. One of the flowering plants that come from a bulb. You can watch, you know, bringing that in, setting it on a table, and that or could even, prompt a whole conversation about how yeah. plants. Or I remember Hank finding a big, long walking stick and them observing that. You know, just anything like that. And That's it, so fun. And it can really, truly be something that children have found. Yes. What did they see yes. that they were interested in? What did they find and were curious about? It's just to see how that learning and learning to learn, you know, that process. You know, as we're talking about being intentional in our homes with our children and with our the way we arrange the spaces mm-hmm. so that there's, you know, there are things for them to do in all areas of the house, you know, where, where you are, because mm. supervision is, is such so a big important. piece of it. Oh, my. So, you know, what, what activities are natural for the kitchen? Where could the play area be for them? What would you have there for them? Where would the play areas be in the living area where you are when you're doing certain things? Mm-hmm. Even in the laundry room, what are the activities that you could provide in those spaces <laughs> and make very natural for them to um, be with you? Of course, mm. they can also join you in folding the laundry, that type of stuff too. I mean, they can help you with your tasks. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind of branching out in this idea of thinking play spaces. Right. You know, what are they, how do they occur naturally? You know, when we create order, we bring order when we add structure, mm. order to chaos when we add structure. And I think that's just a, a handy thing to think about. So really thinking through how the design of the environment brings order to the child's day. That's so important because God is not a God of disorder. He is a God of order. You know, it says that in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And you're right. I mean, children flourish in order. But when there's disorder and chaos and just strife, oh, my goodness. Oh, I think about how when I am disorganized and in disorder, when maybe I haven't been able to keep up with certain things, you might see that in your reflected in your children's behavior yes. as well. You might have more meltdowns, less cooperation. So order and structure and intention can help us and help our children too. And peace. I mean, think about the brain that we've talked about so often. Where do we go when to we're our lower brain centers? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fight, flight, fawn. Mm. So the intention that you bring to your environment you'll see that in your children's behavior. And that's a big thing of the Reggio Emilia approach is they believe that how you structure and order and build the environment for the children, it really supports the children's exploration. Yes. And so that's what we want to encourage all of our moms and dads and families at home too to do that to just create that kind of environment. And it comes with prayer too. Yes, yes. Yes, bathe it in prayer. And so there was another um, scripture that God started with a world that was formless and empty, that is the earth that was chaotic. But then God brought order in a series of uh, notable divisions. And he created mankind with an orderly distinction between male and female. Yes. He placed Adam in a beautiful garden to work it and take care of it. So wanted yeah. him to maintain order in that creation. And I just think that's a, an encouragement that we can re, 
think on. Yeah. It's like when Hans was little, I, we had Aries in our home for for exploration and play and creativity and imaginative play. And then there would be times when they children need movement. Mm. We they do need to get that movement going, get organized movement. And so one of the things that we would do, especially, well, we'd play outside on rainy days, love playing outside on rainy days, but some days we couldn't play outside. Uh, maybe it was thundering and lightning. So we had cross country laps. And we, <laughs> had, the these, house, yeah, we had these designated places and, and, a, and a path mm-hmm. around tables and around different rooms and things that he would run just to get some energy out. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, we want to think about providing our children those moments of gross motor activity is so important. Yes. And another thing I want to talk about too, as we're talking about order, is, you know, God did design all of this with an order. And so children's development also happens in an order. That's so right. So we don't want to think about pushing children too far in certain academics and focusing always on those outcomes and things for them to do because every developmental stage happens in a in a progression. That's right. So Thinking terms of children playing with Play-Doh, you know, mm. that builds so much proprioception. It allows, builds fine motor skills. You know, think about when you're playing with Play-Doh and you're rolling a snake or rolling a ball, you know, how much pressure do you have to put on that ball to get it in a round shape? Or how much pressure do you have to do between your hands to get that snake or that rolled out? That's a lot of learning. I know. And that I has to it. happen before a child ever thinks about learning to write. So don't dismiss those moments in that child's development. There is an order and a progression. What you're saying right now is the uh, gross motor skills and the fine motor skills. I just want to jump up and down and say hallelujah because physical education, that was my major. Coaching was my, my major also. Just all those little small movements are so important. They build on each other. So if you ask your child just to skip around the room, they can't skip before they learn how to just take little small hops. So let's talk about the loose parts. Yeah. So that's another highlight of Reggio Emilia is these loose parts play. Yeah. And so loose parts play is when you find just an assemblage of materials. It could be almost like a junk drawer of items that you mm-hmm. might have. And Madeline played with things like this all the time. So but so it might be uh, corks. It might be little blocks. Mm-hmm. It might be metal washers, uh-huh. pom-poms, variety of textures. Oh, I love this. <laughs> oh, okay. Because what's the word? Heuristic play? And I, I looked it up and I got the, the hearing on how to say it. And I might still be saying it incorrectly, but it means encouraging a person to learn, discover, understand, or solve problems. But in a toddler's world, which I have three little granddaughters and I've had the privilege of babysitting or watching them or having them over the house. And so what I've done is no matter what room I'm in, I'll just kind of look around like in my closet. I'll get two baskets or two holders or just kind of look around and just grab things and put them in it. And so I thought about even like I wrote down um, pots, in big pots, you could put mittens, measuring cups, wooden spoons, dish rags, empty boxes, you know, little bitty boxes or, or spice 
little spice things and to watch them put it from one pot into the other, you mm. know, and just the learning that takes place that they're doing. And That's a big toddler type of activity. They love yes. put, putting things into something, taking things out of something, moving objects from one place to another place. I know. Even cereal boxes yes. or food boxes. You know, transporting those from one large basket or large box to another one. Yes. That can keep a toddler oh my engaged forever. And in, in my bathroom, just I have just all kinds of baskets and just hair things, you know, clips and you name it. You can just pull things that you have right there. Mm-hmm. And it's so educational. And then back on our patio, golf balls, rocks. Mm-hmm pine cones, just anything Mm -hmm. you can just do like that. It's so fun for them. Children love toys and materials that are open-ended. There's no one way to use them. So they, and they can find multiple ways to use these materials. That's the big thing about loose parts play. There's no set, like when you play with this, you're going to learn this specific thing. It's open-ended. But you may be doing things like this already. Mm-hmm. So I want you to see the value and the learning that happens. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier in this episode, just talking about the learning standards that actually do happen. Yes. So that you, so let's look at the toddler, you know, moving one thing to another. That's a lot of gross motor activity, mm-hmm. proprioception, yes. a lot of things like that. But it's also counting can be woven into that. There are math skills that a child is learning when a child builds with blocks. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a toddler or an older child building with blocks, think about the balance that they are learning, the quantities, the height, the tall, the small. There's a lot of math concepts that go into building blocks. And it and could be, I, I'll watch them. It could be like sequence or memory because they'll mm-hmm. like do the same thing over and over again. If they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, they're learning something new every time they do it. So let them do it over and over and over again because something's going yeah. on. And they're working on mastering it as yes. well because in mm-hmm. which there's a lot of skill in learning to master something. Yes. Like, ah, so this worked. You know, yes. Testing that thesis or that theory. theory. I guess theory yes. out over yes. and over. Did my theory work? Does it hold up? Does it hold up? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's wonderful to see children working and playing on something. like, And they yeah. can learn so much. And it's just bringing nature inside, letting, mm-hmm. letting it just happen. Let's talk about bringing the gospel into this mm-hmm. and how can we use this inspired approach into presenting the gospel with our children? Yeah, and I think it's a natural fit. So you think about quiet time. Mm-hmm. You know, when am I going to spend time in reading my Bible? When do I want to spend time in prayer? And adopting that spiritual discipline into our day. Right. And so how can we help our children learn that? And for one way I think about is, well, I'm going to set up an area in my house that is the, a quiet time area. Mm-hmm. And I might provide a children's Bible, a board book, whatever their age is there, some paper, pencil for them to just interact with, whether mm-hmm. they're drawing. Um, it might be a place where I read a story to them from the Bible. Scripture memory cards, whatever age child I'm, I have, just creating this space, cozy chair, a blanket that they can go to in the day when they want that experience. Or when they want it, of course, whenever Mm -hmm. they want to go over there. But also even introducing a schedule, a set time where we all go, mom and the kids, if that works for the schedule 
or the dad or whoever, go there and walk them through. And have quiet time together. Yeah. And, and I know huh? a great podcast for quiet time. <laughs> it's called Good Thoughts from the Mind of a Child. Yes, yeah. we have some good thoughts that you can listen to just to introduce. That is a good way to start. And yeah, you could read the scripture and have little things in the basket that could help them in their mind, it'd be something physical that they could remember and play with and think about through the day. So yeah, that's great. So Um, some of the pros of these type, this this is one type of child-led education that we're talking about today. And we're going to do some episodes exploring some other ideas too. And some of the pros of these are that it does develop autonomy in a child, mm -hmm. develops their curiosity. It Nurtures their curiosity, I yes, might say. Even. It does. It um, does. It allows them to have intrinsic motivation because it has choice in it about what I want to do right now, and relevance because it's relevant to what they're they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So there are many valuable things that benefits, a child-led approach. A many lot benefits. A lot of benefits. Yes. And we might compare some of these child-led approaches to a more adult-directed approach and see that a, an adult-directed approach. Is, is a little bit different. It comes from the, the mm-hmm. adult's interest and the adult not allowing as much choice to the child. So it may not be as relevant and it may not build the intrinsic motivation that a child-led right. approach might. So then we have a poem by Loris Malaguzzi, who is the one of the founders and developers of Reggio Emilia approach. So we're going to read that to you. It's called 100 Languages. The child is made up of 100 The child has a hundred languages, a hundred hands, a hundred thoughts, a hundred ways of thinking, of playing, of speaking, a hundred, always a hundred ways of listening, of marveling, of loving, a hundred joys for singing and understanding, a hundred worlds to discover a hundred worlds to invent, a hundred worlds to dream. The child has a hundred languages and a hundred, hundred, hundred more, but they steal 99. The school and the culture separate the head from the body. They tell the child to think without hands to do without head, to listen and not to speak, to understand without joy, to love and to marvel only at Easter and Christmas. They tell the child to discover the world already there, and of the hundred, they steal 99. They tell the child that work and play, reality and fantasy, science and imagination, sky and earth, reason and dream are things that do not belong together. And thus, they tell the child that the hundred is not there. The child says, no way. The hundred is there. That poem says so much. And I, we have had the benefit of reading it quite a few times. 
Mm-hmm. So if you can rewind that and listen to it a couple of times, it says so much. To let our children continue to be children and to stay young. We also have a verse from the Bible that talks about the little children in Jesus. And the idea is to let children be little. So the verse is Matthew 19, 13 to 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You know, children learn through play. And as parents, we can provide rich and authentic learning experiences for them that are developmentally appropriate to where they are right now. So here are a few tips to summarize. Be intentional when you arrange your play spaces to make them inviting and to support the activities. This order that you create, you'll see that reflected in your children's exploration and in their even in their behavior. Offer materials for open-ended exploration, rotate materials, include novel, new provocations to pique their curiosity. Offer comments throughout the day that narrate or add rich language to their experience and build on their interests. Let your questions be open-ended rather than like a pop quiz. But remember, there is also value in independent learning, exploration. And we can support this too by observing young children and allowing time for this independent play without adult interference or interruption. So don't worry and fret about getting them ready for the next big thing coming along. Just remember there is developmental order and that it's designed that way. So be present with them where they are. That's how you get them ready for the next thing. Before I close in prayer, I just want to say thank you for all our listeners, for your sweet and kind comments. We do appreciate them and we do read them. So thank you. Dear Lord, we do thank you for this time. We do want to let the little children be little children and love them the way you have created them. May we never hinder them from coming to you, Jesus. Thank you again, and we give all this to you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Check out our Instagram at themindofachildpod, or you can email us at themindofachildpodcast at gmail.com.